Well, we finally made it. It's taken us several weeks, but we, we have finally made it. We have been on a journey with Luke, the gospel writer, and now here we are. We're in Jerusalem. We finally arrived. We are here. It's Palm Sunday. What do we do on Palm Sunday? We read the story of his entry. But it wasn't just any entry, it was an entry not just of palms and waving and all of that. I mean, that's part of it, but it's really not about the palms. It's about triumph is what it's truly about. The king is about to enter Jerusalem. The king. In a moment, we're going to read Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. We're going to get to this part in the, in the reading where it talks about the whole crowd of disciples joyfully praising. That's going to be your tune. That's because you are the whole crowd of disciples. I am. That's going to be your turn to declare those words. So when you see them up there, when we say the whole crowd of disciples, then you are to say them out loud as if you're in the crowd. Because the king... The king, the true king, is coming. So all rise, for the king is coming. Please stand. And let's look together to Luke chapter 19. And remember, when we get to your part, you're the whole crowd. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, and he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And he went along. as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is he, king, who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest earth. Teacher, rebuke your disciples, the Pharisees said in the crowd. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring peace, but now it is hidden your eyes. Lord, we pray that you will just speak to us through your word, the gospel this morning. This is the word of the Lord, and we give thanks for it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, this is not the way to end a story 
about a parade. In fact, we don't expect someone to react this way to a parade that is thrown in their honor. This is a parade that's thrown in the honor of Jesus. And here's his reaction. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Now, we don't expect people to respond to a parade thrown in their honor that way, do we? We don't expect that, but this does sound familiar because just several weeks ago as we began this journey to Jerusalem, as we see in the Gospel of Luke, he's constantly saying, we're going to Jerusalem, he's heading to Jerusalem, we're going to Jerusalem. Several weeks ago we heard these words from Jesus. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. And what we saw laid bare before us then and this morning, we saw the broken heart of Jesus. And then, a few weeks ago, we asked ourselves these questions. If, if we would join Jesus, we asked these questions. Will I lament for the world that is broken by sin? Will I grieve for the world just like Jesus does that's broken by sin? Will I lament my own sin as well? But now here we are. As the crowd is singing his praises, the broken heart of Jesus is again on display and the cross looms. And Jesus weeps. And Dan Boone reminds me, as Jesus approaches the city, he cries. In this moment, he knows that he will reject him, we will reject him in favor of other kings. These kings will build armies, they will make war, they will tax everyone, They'll sit on powerful thrones. They'll enjoy privileges. They'll ignore the needy. They'll cater to the wealthy and erect monuments to themselves. And as we bow to these kings, we will pay an awful price. It's enough to make Jesus weep. So what do we do on Palm Sunday with a broken Jesus? What do we see from the broken Jesus. We, we, we know that we're to be in solidarity with Jesus and mourn for the world, but can you see Jesus in solidarity with you in your own brokenness that we encounter in the world? I think this also causes me to ask, what do I do with my own brokenness in the midst of my own lament of life? What do we do in the midst of anticipated hardship and suffering when the cross seems to loom over our lives? Remember, for Jesus, it seems like he is already at the cross, always. He is always on this journey, already there. What happens when we find ourselves at the cross? I think we may find the answer to the question by asking this question. Why is Palm Sunday even recorded in the Bible? This scene is fulfilled prophecy from beginning to end. From the donkey to the palms to the coats on the ground, all through the Bible, we've been pointed to this day. In fact, Jesus himself foretold this day he said, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So 
Back there where he was being attacked by religious leaders, he said to them, you know what? You're not going to see me for a while, but the next time you see me, in essence, he's saying what we know it as, you're going to see me on Palm Sunday. But if you go further back in time, 1,100 years, we hear the strains of a sacred song that was sung as people gathered for worship. It's called the Halal Psalm. It's the last of the Halal Psalms. And it's from Psalm 118. And here are the words. They're words that Jesus himself actually fulfills this day. In Psalm 118, we read these words. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. He's describing Palm Sunday, 1,100 years prior. He's saying mark the procession with palms, but it's a specific procession. It's a procession to the altar of sacrifice that the psalmist is talking about. It's rooted in this truth that the psalmist talks about in verse 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. You see, that, that stone that's rejected is Jesus being rejected. This is a prophecy about the cross that we found, find in the psalmist. But, but what is to be the response to this? Well, the psalmist goes on for us. These famous words. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Then he says this. Save us. The Hebrew word for that is Hosanna. We sing the word Hosanna as we did earlier in the service, and we sing it as an act of praise. But technically, when you say Hosanna, you're saying, save me. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. So 1,100 years before Palm Sunday, there was a song written for worshipers about that day. Just let that sit with you for a moment. How amazing is that? And Jesus fulfills that whole image that's portrayed in that psalm. Now, I know it feels like we probably have left Palm Sunday a little bit, but actually we're right in the midst of it. The people are acting out this psalm, and it is here that I think we find our secret to sitting with the broken Jesus and the broken Jesus sitting with us. What do we do in the midst of the sin in this world and the sin in our lives? What do we do in the midst of anticipated and unanticipated hardship and suffering? What do we do when the cross seems to loom over our lives? Remember, for Jesus, he's already at the cross, it seems. What do we do when we find ourselves at the cross? What do we do? Well, this psalm from Psalm 118 and this Jesus fulfilling it teaches us our response. In fact, it may be the most difficult response to embrace. It's, it's the most counterintuitive choice to make in the midst of your own journey to the cross. It's the most unlikely, most counterintuitive advice anyone's going to give you as you journey through hardship and pain and eventual suffering. 
But I think we begin to find the answer by Jesus' response to the Pharisees and his religious critics. Some of the Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, even, even creation itself will still declare the truth. You see, those Pharisees, those religious elites, they knew the disciples were singing a song that was intended only for the Messiah. They were saying, these disciples, as they're singing this song, this is what they're singing. They're saying, there's a new king in town. That's what they're saying. Their praise was a declaration of trust and dependence on the new king, the only one who could ultimately save them. Hosanna, save us. And yes, in that crowd, there will be those who will be shouting crucify at the end of the week. But that crowd is also made up with many lives that have been changed by Jesus. The text tells us in verse 37, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Those are people whose lives have been changed. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. As an aside, in the psalm, it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But do you see how it's recorded? Blessed is the king. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You see, this, this whole scene that we have, this whole scene is about declaring something. It's about declaring radical trust and dependence in their praise to God. Their praise becomes a declaration of trust and dependence on God. Not the trust in Caesar, focused on power through politics or prosperity, not the man-made program that religion produces or produced, not the self-saving philosophies of men, but trust and dependence on King Jesus. You see, those Pharisees knew it. They knew that's what they were singing. Jesus knew that's what they were singing. And so he says, let them sing. And as they sing, they ask me a question. Is Jesus my king? Am I prepared to sing? And the question really is, am I trusting? Am I trusting in King Jesus. Palm Sunday offers many lessons. You can speak about the peace of God coming. You can compare how what Jesus says here was basically said about him when he was born. You can look at Palm Sunday and talk about how you know, the road to power and rule in man's ways it's really a bankrupt system. There's all kinds of lessons we can learn from Palm Sunday, but let us embrace this lesson. Here's the lesson. The lesson of our praise as a sign of trust and dependence. What you do when you gather here on a given Sunday morning, what I do, 
what you're doing when you're in your car and you're going down the road and you press play on your, on your latest playlist of worship songs, what you're doing is not just getting inspired. What you're doing is you're making a declaration, a radical declaration, because it is still true. Jesus is the one, he's the only one who can offer us salvation. He's the only one who can offer you salvation, or me. In John 12, we heard Jamie read these words earlier. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. They're shouting, Hosanna. They're watching him come down the road and they're saying, save us. There is power for us in our praise as it's offered, especially when we don't want to or when we don't know how to because of reasons we think prevent us from praising, from thanking, from trusting God. The diagnosis that's insulfable. The future plans that go sideways are now unreachable. The suffering of our grief that seems unstoppable. The broken heart that seems unhealable. The consequences of our selfish, sinful choices that seem unbearable. The world around us that is untamable. The culture, the sinful culture that seems to be unavoidable. You see, the words of the psalmist in this carried out through Jesus are so incredibly counterintuitive that they actually feel offensive when the last thing a situation calls for in the eyes of men is praise. Jesus is going to the cross and we're praising. Jesus is about to suffer. My friends, don't rush your way to Easter this week. Today's Palm Sunday. Take your time getting to Easter Sunday. Don't think about the big celebration. Take your time and think about this week. Come Thursday night. Embrace Friday noon. Come in in community with people in prayer Saturday morning. Let this wash over you. Because this is Holy Week, and he is going to the cross, but they're praising. It seems almost offensive when the last thing a situation calls for is praise. But that's what's needed most. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalmist isn't talking about the day of our heartache and suffering, not the day of our sin and failure, not the day of bad diagnoses and unsettling realities. Those are not God's doing. We're prone to in our world to say, well, you know, look, what if God would, why didn't God do this? Or God did this? Or, but those things are not God's doing. That's not what this is about. This is not what it refers to. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The day it refers to is this day. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The day Jesus was declared king, which is at the cross. The cross is the king's cross. It's the day Jesus was declared king. And so the journey of our own crosses of suffering and struggle are places where we are to rejoice, 
not in them, but in the one, the only one, who can save us, the one who can be our refuge and our fortress and our God and our deliverer. And that is why if we remain silent, the rocks will cry out. Because at the cross is the king who in self-giving love came to save us and to rule over us. It is the king's cross, the benevolent king who marched into Jerusalem to conquer all the darkness that wants to conquer you and that wants to conquer me. He conquered all the darkness, all the darkness that wants to overtake your life and that wants to overtake my life. And sometimes we go, in the name of Christ, forbear. The darkness seems too much. But our Christ, our Christ, our King, wants to conquer that. He has conquered that. And T. Wright said this, A new sort of power will be let loose upon the world, and it will be the power of self-giving love. This is the heart of the revolution that was launched. At the heart of the victory of God over all the powers of the world, there lies self-giving love. And in that self-giving love, when we see it, let us not forget the truth about the cross. Let us not forget what it did. For this reason we praise him. Look what the Bible says. Colossians chapter 1. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's rescued us at the cross, the king's cross. Colossians chapter 2, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So as we start this Holy Week, we, we know that the response, even in the darkest hour, and it's not easy, and it is an act of the will, and it's an active choice, is praise, which is a radical act of trust and declaration of dependence on God. And so the essence of the entire story we capture today, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The king is coming. And in his actions, Jesus is answering the question that in five days, Pilate is going to ask him, are you the king And it's the question that Jesus asks you and me. Am I your king? Do you trust me as your king? Will you live for me as your king? So this day, this Palm Sunday, let us remember that Jesus Christ, the king, did what kings and rulers and politicians don't typically do. He sacrificed himself for the highest and best good of people. Why? Because his heart is broken over what mankind has settled for versus what God desires, salvation. So let us join the crowd this morning. Let us join the crowd in cheering our true king, turning our hearts and minds, hands and voices to offer gratitude and praise, not as an emotional response to try to feel better, but as an act of radical trust 
and declared dependence on the one, the only one, who can save us. Hosanna. So blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is our king. The one who saves us. The one who conquers darkness and wants to conquer the darkness in your life and my life and our world. Blessed be the name of the Lord our King. And you see, that's really what we've been singing about all through Lent. We've closed every service with one song, which we'll do one more time today. Chris Tomlin wrote this song with these lyrics, which we will sing shortly. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. Here my hope is found, here on holy ground. Here I bow down, here I bow down. Here arms open wide, here you save my life. Hosanna. Here I bow down, here I bow down. You see, that, that is what we do with the broken Jesus. That is why we gather every Palm Sunday and we rehearse this story. Because at the end of the day, we're declaring with our praise who he is as king. And in trust and dependence, we bow down. And we say, Lord, be our king. Is Jesus Christ your king? The one who will conquer the darkness in your life, in my life, and even in this world. I invite you to stand with me this morning as we sing this song to our king, about our king, for our king, as we bow to our king. So we start Holy Week and we we start heading to this place of self-giving love, right? Let me invite you just to remember this when you go out the door. This is how much God loves you. It's how much God loves me. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Wow. That our God loved us so much that he held nothing back. Nothing. And because that's true, we owe all to him. We owe everything to him. So I want to invite you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to bow down to him. Don't be afraid to surrender to him. Don't be afraid to place your faith in him. Because you're placing your faith in the one who has loved you like none other. And who wants to conquer our lives for the glory of God. My friends, I invite you to go today. Take a, a, a palm with you. If you don't want to wave it physically, wave it in your heart. And declare, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, our King. To God be praised. May you go in his peace, 
and his grace and his power and most of all, in his love. Amen. Would you greet one another in the name of King Jesus? God bless you. You're dismissed.